Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hit and Run podcast, where conversation collides. My name is Robbie Alexander, and I am joined, as always, by Natalie Dunn Billings. We're back, baby. Fall 2022. I was going <laughs> to say the season, but I can't remember which one, but it is episode 62, and I think that's our lucky number. I'm pretty sure it's season six. I was going to say season <laughs> six, but part of me thought, no, it's season seven. Oh, really? I keep thinking it's five. Oh, really? Yeah. It's been a lot of episodes. It's been chaotic. We're almost... It's been a while since we've been back. We're two and a half years into this. That's crazy. Seems crazy to think about. (laughs) But yeah, we've had the summer off and now we're back. Full force fall. That's what we're calling it. And it's going to take us all the way up through Christmas. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but I think that the fall seasons are the best. They were the best for Radio Feud. They were the best for Hit and Run in College, mainly because that was the only time we did it. (laughs) I was going to say that was the only season. So it has to work out for us. There's just so many possibilities. Number one, (laughs) fall is amazing. It's a great season. Number two, you've got all the holidays. I'm going to say we don't have to do any work because all the episodes are just holidays. That's true. (laughs) But today we've got to do a little legwork and we have to catch everybody up on what we've been doing. Mm -hmm. So... For starters, I thought we hadn't recorded since May. It hasn't been quite that long. We went up to pretty much the end of June. June 20th was the day the last episode dropped. Yeah. It hasn't been the entire summer. It hasn't been the entire summer, but it's been a good chunk of it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but it's been quite an eventful two and a half, three months. It's been about, oh, today's the 20th that we're recording. Spoiler alert. So it's been exactly (laughs) three months. Yeah. It has been a busy three months. Yeah, it has. Who wants to start? (laughs) I think we both could fill a whole episode with our with our adventures and our endeavors. Probably. Do you want to alternate? You say a thing, then I'll say a thing. Sure. I made a list this time because I was like, I am never going to remember what I've done for the last three months unless I write it down. As soon as you <laughs> said that, I did the same thing about 10 minutes ago on a scrap piece of paper. I have like four major bullet points. So. One, two, three, four. I've got five things listed, Okay. but only three of them are really <laughs> applicable to this topic. So you go first. What's, what's the biggest thing that you want to talk about? What is on your list? I guess the biggest thing is that about a month ago, I got a second job. So I am teaching CPR classes as a part-time job now. That's right. Now, you had me concerned because originally we were going to and ignore the ambulance in the background. Originally, <laughs> we were going to record tomorrow night and you said your class got canceled. And I wasn't sure if you meant that you weren't doing it anymore or if it mm. was just this week, but you are now, still doing it. I was only tentatively scheduled for the class that was supposed to be tonight and they never ended up scheduling the class. Um, mm. So that one just fell off of my calendar. But yeah, so I've been a certified CPR instructor since 2019 when I worked at the Axe Throwing Place. I got certified as an instructor because basically that facility was super sketchy and nobody on staff at the 75,000 square foot indoor sports facility and axe throwing venue was like first aid and CPR certified, which just is not great. Well, for starters, you're also launching axes. Exactly. Around an indoor space. The facility had no climate control. So we had three indoor soccer fields and no air conditioning. Wait, soccer fields? I thought this was axe throwing. Well, there was the 
axe throwing was inside of a sports facility. So I worked for the axe throwing company, but I worked for like the parent company. So I managed the axe throwing business, but also like worked for the whole sports facility. Did they ever combine the two? No. Axe soccer. <laughs> no. Ultimate defense. That did not fit into the safety plan that I created for the company. Oh, you created, okay, that makes more sense. Yes, because there was no safety plan in this huge indoor sports facility with no air conditioning and an axe throwing company. There was no building evacuation plan, let alone a first aid training or protocols or anything. I feel like that should be something that is required to have a business. It should be. Yeah, you should have to <laughs> submit that to your local government if you are going to have a business in a building in which people are going to visit. Yeah, we also had like 13 doors. The facility was so big, it had like 13 doors and they all were supposed to have alarms, you know, like because they were like emergency exits and not regular exits and they didn't work. Did you have a fire alarm in this building? Um. Oh, I, the fact that you have to think about that is terrifying. I would say we had one. Did it work properly? I'm not sure. We had fire extinguishers that were mostly up to date other than that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was not great. Um, there's a reason I don't work there anymore. We've talked about this, especially when you work there, but we've never <laughs> gone this into depth about the safety hazards of yeah. that place. It was super sketchy. You might as well just name them at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Be a whistleblower. <laughs> I mean, I will tell anyone, do not go to Stars Indoor Sports in Columbus. There not we safe. go. Not great. Columbus government, I hope you're listening. <laughs> But because I worked there and I gave a shit, I wrote a safety plan, like manual for the company. And I also convinced them to pay for me to get certified as an instructor so that I could certify our staff. So I did. I certified all of our managers and taught CPR classes, but I only ever taught like two classes because we didn't have that big a staff and I wasn't mm. there for that long. But my certification was good for two years. And then two years was up in last year. And because I had taught a class within those two years, I was able to recertify by just taking a CPR class, like a regular one. So I recertified and so now I have a certification for another year and a half, but I hadn't taught any classes. And unless I teach a class, I lose my certification and it's like a $400 certification and like a 16 hour class, so. To teach or to be CPR certified? To teach. Okay, I was about to say, <laughs> good Lord. No, not quite that intense. So I was, you know, just kind of looking at that, like, oh, I need to figure out how to like keep my certification in the next year and, so I was just looking to see if there were opportunities to do it as a job because really the only way that you can be an independent CPR instructor, at least for the Red Cross, is by either being a licensed provider for a company you work for. So like if Lifeline of Ohio wanted me to be a CPR instructor for us, I could do that. Or you have to like start your own LLC and like run a small business to do it and you have to buy all your own equipment. And it's, it's not really super sustainable unless you want to do it as a full-time job. And I don't want that. I don't want to deal with all of that. So I came across this opportunity to work for a third party company that hires CPR instructors and I'm a W-2 employee and I teach the classes that they assign to me. So it's super flexible. I give them a schedule of what days I'm available and then they give me a schedule of classes and I say, I want to work this one, this one, and this one. So I've taught a couple of classes now. I really like it. I like teaching. So it's a nice way to earn some extra cash and also keep my certification and to get more 
certifications. I'm actually um, getting BLS certified next week so I can teach those classes, which I'm looking forward to. Which is? Um, basic life support. Basic life support. Okay. It's basically a step above CPR. BLS is like what nurses have to take mm. as like their baseline level of like CPR certification. But I'm teaching a like non-hospital version because I'm not really qualified to teach it to nurses. So crash course real quick. What would go into that? Great question. I don't know yet. You don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> I know that like I have to learn how to use like a resuscitation bag and a couple of other like additional life-saving tools, but I don't really know everything yet. I'm taking the class next week. That's exciting. Yeah. So I'll have a new certification. So then I'll be able to teach those classes as well. And I will have those skills and knowledge. And then eventually once I am like, I mean, I've literally only ever taught like four classes total. So it's not something I'm looking at right now, but eventually I can get instructor training certified so that I can train instructors. Then you're just moving up on the ladder. So are these one day classes? Yeah. Almost all of the classes that I teach because almost all the classes that people want to take are blended. So they take part of the class online and then I teach the skills session, which is a much shorter version because like a full length, completely instructor led CPR, adult and pediatric first aid CPR and AED. That is like a six and a half hour class. But if you do the blended version, you do about two to three hours of online training with, with like simulations and videos. And then you take a two hour and 15 minute in-person class. And then there's a test on top of that, I assume. Um, It's just skill assessments. So throughout the class, we just practice the skills and then I watch to make sure that you're doing it correctly. And then we do like practice scenarios. So you have to walk through all of it without coaching. And then if you're able to do the skills, then you pass. Now I took a, a CPR course when I was in Taos, New Mexico for AmeriCorps. And our teacher was eccentric to say the least. <laughs> and I don't remember too much of it as far as specific fun anecdotes besides just telling you that it was quite the adventure in those mm -hmm. three hours. I just remember at the very end, he said, okay, we're going to test you now. Everybody go out into the hallway and then I'll, I'll come get you. So my whole team goes out into the hallway and we wait there for about five minutes. And then he just whips open the door and he says, you guys, my friend just drank two things of vodka, you know, two fifths of vodka. You, you got to save them. <laughs> and we all looked at each other and just thought, there's no saving this guy at this point. This guy is, this guy's legally dead. But we had to go give him CPR. It wasn't true. It was a dummy. We named him. I don't remember what we named him. It was interesting. Yeah, that sounds um, a little different. <laughs> and then we never got our certificates either. So I don't know if I was ever actually truly CPR certified. We were supposed to be. Was it a Red Cross class? I don't know. Because you can look it up. Although that would have been more than two years ago, right? Yeah, that would have been, been four years ago. Good gosh. Has it been four yeah. years since I did AmeriCorps? <laughs> Goodness. Right. Yeah. So it would be expired anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it was. It was. Interesting. In a way, it felt like they just pulled this guy off the street and said, <laughs> teach these young adults CPR. Wild. So now I want to take a class from you and <laughs> compare notes and see who did it better. Uh, I have to say, it does not sound like he was following the Red Cross course curriculum. So I don't think so. <laughs> Luckily, none of us ever had to use CPR that round because I don't know if I feel like we would have done more damage than good. <laughs>
Now, do you have scenarios for your classes or do you just say, hey, demonstrate on Dummy Don right here? Yeah, but it's very basic. It's like the only scenario is really just like setting the scene. So you just say like they give you like three or four options for every like skill assessment. And it's like you were in the cafeteria with your friend. They suddenly stop um, talking and have a panicked look on their face. And that's like for the choking scenario. But then there's mm. like there's one that's like like a college student and there's one that's like you're in the factory break room and there's one that's like you're at a daycare so you kind of like pick the one that matches the group you're with so if you're with a bunch of like old people you're not gonna say you're in the college cafeteria with your friend you know there's some hip grannies out there i mean yeah but generally speaking <laughs> or if you're teaching a bunch of teenagers you're not gonna say that you are in the factory break room so let's say i walk into this class right is this open to anybody or is this specific organizations are signing up with you now most of them are community classes so you just register online okay so how bad do i have to be if i walk into your class for you to fail me have you failed anybody before it's very rare it really depends on your ability to perform the skill so if you just cannot figure it out and like you're not able to meet because i have like a checklist of like all of the um like skill competencies that you have to meet and as long as i see you like check all of those boxes you're gonna pass and i can gently nudge you and say hey just a little bit faster or hey maybe move your hand a little bit to the left and so like i can provide that coaching so that you're able to do it and meet all those competencies but there are certain things like if you're not physically able to complete the skills i can't pass you for example if someone's not able to like get down on the ground and perform cpr we can provide modifications for most of the class but to pass someone they have to be able to complete one full round of cpr on the ground because okay. that's the skill so we can make modifications for different physical abilities but there are like certain baseline requirements that they have to meet but that's really the only circumstance in which someone doesn't pass i mean it's really i don't want to say it's easy because you do have to be able to do it correctly but it's not like i'm going to test you and if you don't answer one of these questions right you fail it's more of a workshop and is this free to attend no <laughs> How, how much is the cost? Um, it depends on which exactly certification you're getting. Like if it's adult CPR versus adult and pediatric CPR versus adult CPR, AED, and first aid. Um, oh. So there's a whole bunch of different versions and they all cost different. But it's about like $80 to $100 for a class. It is a two-year certification. Do you have to take that same class every two years to get recertified? Yeah. So are you only... Which class are you teaching? Um, I teach all forms of adult and pediatric first aid, CPR, and AED. So any combination of those things. Um, and then once I'm BLS certified, I'll also be able to teach BLS classes, but there's only one version of that. It's either BLS or no. Where are you taking these through? Um, like where am I teaching them? Yes. And also where are you going to take the BLS class? Um, through the company that I work for. So oh, okay. I'll just be taking a different instructor's class. So for somebody that's never taken CPR before, do you have any tips for them? Um, besides getting certified because people should be certified if they can, or at least take the class so you have some knowledge. Are you asking for tips for performing CPR or for taking a CPR class? Let's say both. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously don't perform CPR if you don't know what you're doing. Right. I mean, general advice in terms of like emergency situations, um, give care to the level of your ability and training because it's more important to provide effective care than it is to provide care that is not correct. The most important thing you can do in an emergency situation if you are not trained is to call 911 
911 immediately if it's a life-threatening situation. And if you're not sure if it's a life-threatening situation, call 911 anyway. And then stay with that person. Make sure that they're comfortable. Make sure that you're comforting them and be aware of your surroundings. So if you're walking into an unsafe situation and you're putting yourself at risk, then there's now two people at risk. So if the situation itself is unsafe, if there's someone laying on the ground next to a downed power line, you cannot help in that situation until you deal with the safety hazard because then there's just two people laying next to a downed power line. Giving care to your level of knowledge and experience is the most important thing and involving people who are able to give a higher level of care than you are. Now I have to ask because there's a very famous office scene where they're taking a CPR class Mm -hmm. and I don't watch The Office but I've seen this scene several times and they do as far as the rhythm of how fast to pump the chest Mm -hmm. it's staying alive is that really something that they teach? I mean, no, not, it's not like in the curriculum. We just say it's 100 to 120 beats per minute is the correct rate. I would be lying if I said that it's not a good frame of reference, but we don't teach that. Do you ever reference it? No, I don't have to because in every single class, somebody does. Okay. I'm one of those people then. (laughs) That is not to be confused with, however, as Michael Scott did, not staying alive. I will survive. (laughs) Although that's a good mentality to have while you're performing CT or CPR. (laughs) I bet you didn't think we'd go down that road for so long. I kind of figured. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to teach, you might as well give the audience and our listeners some skills and some knowledge and some pep. So I think you touched on it a little bit up to this point, but for somebody who is, has either never been certified in their life or somebody that was certified a while ago and doesn't have an interest in, in retaking the course, why would you recommend that people go through this training? Besides the obvious, it can save a life. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just important to realize how big of a difference it can make, you know? I mean, like anyone in an emergency situation has the ability to call 911, and that's important. That's a very important step. We teach the the three steps of any emergency situation are check hall care. So you check the scene, you make sure that it's safe, you try to figure out what's going on, you call 911, and then you provide care. I mean, I don't have the exact statistics in front of me, so I won't say numbers, but the specifically in cardiac situations where someone is unresponsive and not breathing, the chance of survival in a cardiac situation is significantly increased by implementing effective CPR as soon as possible. That chance of survival is like exponentially increased by the use of an AED. So being able to do those things, not only is like you're, you might save someone's life, but the chances of someone's life being saved are so much higher than just being able to call 911. So I just think it's important. I mean, you never know when those things are going to happen. And we say this in our classes, it is more likely that if you use these skills, it will be on someone you know in your own home. Like that's the most likely chance of you needing to use CPR. So if you think about it that way, why not have those skills, you know? Yeah, it's one of those things where the chances of you having to employ those skills and and actually have to perform CPR, I don't imagine are very high. I don't know if you have the numbers on that. Not off the top of my head. But at the same time, and I, I appreciate the context you just put it in, when you perform CPR, you're most likely doing it on somebody that you know and care about. So mm-hmm. why not take every every step you can to make sure that your loved ones are cared for? Right. Well, thank you for diving deeper into that than I think we both anticipated. But <laughs> I think I think it is important to to talk about it. And I think it's extremely interesting. And I think it's really cool that you're doing that. So when's your next class then? I know it was supposed to be tonight, but it got canceled. Do you know when your next class is? Um, I think I was supposed to teach next weekend, but instead 
that I'm taking that class next weekend. So then I think the following week I have a class. Okay. Well, you'll have to keep us updated through the season because I think that's extremely interesting and, and something that people will be interested in. For sure. So what's on your list? So what's on my list? Took a trip to Canada. Yeah. That was right after we wrapped up the last season, actually. It was very end of June and very beginning of July. We went to Victoria Island, which is right across the the bay, right next to Seattle, about two hour ferry ride. Gorgeous. If mm -hmm. anybody who's ever been knows it, if you haven't, I highly recommend trying to make it up to that area at some point. It was stunning. We were there for Canada Day, which was a lot of fun. The food there is incredible. Everybody's so friendly. Just a lot of fun. We went whale watching, which the, the tour we went on has a 99, not 99, 98, I believe, success rate on seeing orcas. That's cool. Did you? Yeah, we didn't spend much time looking for orcas. We just watched orcas. That's there really cool. There were several pods of them. And at the very beginning, we also saw a, a humpback whale kind of breach right next to a, a big yacht and blow out the, the blowhole. That's super cool. <laughs> there's, there's not an elegant way to say that, but it was very <laughs> cool. Whales are so cool, but they freak me out. It was, so we were in one of the smaller boats. And That's even worse. <laughs> to be honest, I was very nervous. I went because Hillary and her brother Killian really wanted to go. And mm -hmm. I thought, well, I don't want to stay back if they're going. So I went with them. We were in one of the smaller boats and we never actually got super close to mm -hmm. the whales, which for me was comforting. Yeah. But the water was gorgeous. It was a clear, beautiful day. They put, they gave you wetsuits, which was for if you went overboard but also thermal. I was mm -hmm. very warm throughout it. Yeah, it was incredible. And the the thing that blew my mind the most was there were baby orcas and there were mama orcas. And they mm -hmm. would, they'd come up and you'd see them and they were big, you know, orcas are big, but they'd come up and they'd go down, they'd come up and they'd go down. They did that quite often. And then you would think, well, where's where's the, the papa orca? Where's the bull? Because he would stay down underwater much longer than, than the mom and the baby. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you would just see Daddy Orca, just massive. All <laughs> I mean, indescribably big, just come up out of the water and just go back down. And every time that a bull orca would come out of the water, all I could think is, I hope he doesn't come up next to this ship. <laughs> right. Because it wasn't a ship, it was a boat. <laughs> and he'd stay down for so long that you never knew where he was going to come up next. And every time he went back down, in the back of your mind, all you could think was, is he coming this way? Is he going <laughs> further than me? Where is he going? Yeah, that would freak me out, honestly. I mean, it sounds amazing. And like, I would love to see that. But also, it's kind of terrifying. You have to kind of push it to the back of your mind. <laughs> and if you, if you manage to do that, then you're going to have a good time. <laughs> But yeah, so that was one of the highlights. We also went on these really beautiful hikes. I felt like I was in the forest of Endor mm -hmm. because you've got those big, not quite like the redwoods in California, but just the massive roots mm -hmm. and the massive trees. And I felt like I was in Lord of the Rings, honestly, which you, we both love Lord of the Rings. So that was a dream. So cool hikes. We went pub crawling on Canada Day and saw fireworks on the bay. That was really fun. Bouchard Gardens, another part that makes you feel like you're in the Shire. One <laughs> of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. Yeah. So really great trip. What I really wanted to talk about though, and this might take us to the end of the episode is, 
is, and I don't know if I've ever actually ever told you this yet. I lost my luggage. Oh no. I got it back a month later. Oh, well that's good at least. My luggage should not have been lost in the first place. And we're gonna get into this. This is, this is what I wanna talk about. Cause okay. I've got, I've, I've got some gripes to be had. <laughs> so we go to the airport Monday morning. Hillary had flown out a week early to see her friend who ironically lives on Victoria Island. Mm -hmm. So she went up early to see her. So I flew out with her brother and her mom. Mm -hmm. Fly out on a Monday morning and I pack my carry-on, which was a backpack, and my blue duffel bag that I take everywhere. That, that is my go-to luggage system. It's an old mm -hmm. Nike duffel bag. I've had it since fourth grade. And I didn't take much clothes. I was, I was trying to pack light. You know, we're only going to be there for six days. We've got laundry in the Airbnb. Packing light. But I packed everything that I wear right now in the summer. So we go to the airport. We're flying Air Canada and Hillary's mom and brother check their luggage. You know, they, they pay to have it checked. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to take it with me. If it's checked at the gate, at least I know where it is. I'll have it on me all times. I don't have to worry about losing my luggage. Now, I thought it was small enough to put into the overhead bins. Mm -hmm. It was not. They had me check it at the gate. And for our flight route, we went St. Louis to Toronto, Toronto to Victoria Island. So I check it at the gate. No big deal. We fly to Toronto. All right, cool. First time I've ever been international, which kind of goes into my line of thinking on what's next. So when we're at Toronto, we get off on the tarmac. It's not one of those tunnels that they hook up to the plane and you're, you walk straight into the airport. We get off mm -hmm. on the tarmac mm -hmm. and I'm waiting for my bag and they're getting everybody's checked at the gate luggage off of the plane. And I'm the last one. And the worker looks at me and he says, what are you waiting for? And I said, oh, I checked my bag at the gate. And obviously that's what I'm waiting for. And I look up and I can see because it's 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 an old blue Nike duffel bag. I can see it coming down off the plane. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, that's the bag right there. I that's I'm waiting for that. And the worker says, oh, that's going to your destination. And I said, well, I checked it at the gate. And he said, yeah, it's going to your destination. Now, I thought this was a little weird, but he seems so sure. Right. And I've also never flown international. So I thought maybe that's just what they do on international flights mm -hmm. as a courtesy. So I say, okay, thank you. And I go through and I go through customs, get through fine. And I'm sitting at my gate because we had about a three hour layover. And while I'm sitting at my gate, I just have a bad feeling in my stomach. And I, I keep thinking over and over about what just happened. And it's not sitting right. It mm -hmm. just doesn't seem that they know where my bag's going to go because they don't put the luggage tags on it. They give you a tag that they put on it, but it doesn't have that much information on it. Mm -hmm. So I say, you know what? I'm still here. Let me go ask the person at my gate. Right. And double check. So I go and I tell her and I stress. I say, I checked my bag at the gate. I didn't, I didn't pay to have it checked. There's no tags on it. it. It was checked at the gate. And she says the same thing. She says, oh, that will be in Victoria when you get there. And I say, you absolutely sure about this? And she said, yes, of course. And I said, okay, well, thank you for your time. And one way I'm glad she told me that because I had a relaxing flight to Victoria. Mm -hmm. And then I get to Victoria. And it's that you knew you weren't crazy because two people told you yes, that. Yes, exactly. And the other thing was Hillary's mom and brother also, when I asked the, the woman at the gate, I asked because they also kind of got to a point where they originally thought, okay, that's normal. And then they got to thinking about it and they said, well, no, hold on a second. I've never heard that before. Mm -hmm. And I, none of us have ever flown Air Canada. So I thought maybe that was just a nice Air Canada thing. A couple years ago, they were voted one of the best airlines in the world. Maybe that's <laughs> top tier customer service. So I get to Victoria. We get there about 
two in the morning. My luggage is nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. Mm. Not only that, and this is kind of getting into Air Canada, because I'm going to, they're shit. They're, they're, they're clearly shit. And here's a couple reasons why. Half of my plane had their luggage lost from Toronto to Victoria. There was 20 people in this line looking for their luggage. I looked some stuff up later. They were one of the best airlines in 2018. This year, they were ranked in the bottom three worldwide. They've just been having awful issues with lost luggage. So I get through this line, give them my information, and I say, I'm staying here. I'm flying out Sunday morning. So if you don't have it by Sunday morning, just send it to this address. And I wrote my home address because the other thing is I never changed luggage tags. So my luggage tag is still my parents' address. Mm -hmm. And he says, oh, we'll have it to you within three days. And I said, that's wonderful. And well, I don't have clothes at this point. So then that Monday I have to go Walmart shopping and Hillary's mom was super nice and helped me pay for clothes. Supposed to get reimbursed. She's still waiting on that. Mm -hmm. So I get some Walmart clothes to hold me over. And let me tell you, the Walmart and Victoria Island do not have a lot of men's clothes in my size. In fact, I bought a woman's Canada shirt because it fit me and it was cute <laughs> and I needed a t-shirt. So we go through the whole chip and I keep checking and they I keep using the reference number. Can't find anything. Never shows up at the Airbnb. And also, as I'm talking and I remember this, they spelled my goddamn name wrong. Oh, they no. forgot the E in Alexander. So we have to call and have them fix the information, which was three hours on the phone while we're trying to enjoy our vacation. I digress. For the record, still had a wonderful vacation. It was just this little nuisance of this that was going on in the background. Did not ruin the vacation, but definitely was annoying. And I I understand that things could be much worse. Luckily, it was clothes and toiletries. Still though, I mean, it's it's just like a thing that just is like really inconvenient. And yeah, like ruins your vacation. It didn't, and it didn't ruin it. Let me, I want to make that clear. The vacation was great and Hillary was super she took a lot of the phone calls one because Hillary is as you know a firecracker and two she had already been there a week so she said was very nice and said you know this is your your only week here so I'll help handle this you try to enjoy the vacation and I did I very much mm-hmm. enjoyed it but we get through the week nothing about my bag get through two weeks nothing about my bag Hillary flies to Louisiana for work a week later and while she's out there she stops at the Air Canada desk and nobody's working there because why not nobody's ever working there when we try to get a hold of them. But we found out that Air Canada customer service is also through United. Mm. Shocker. United also <laughs> ranked in the bottom of best airlines. And the woman tells us, because every time we go onto this tracking app, they have no information. Mm-hmm. So the woman says, just keep calling. And so we call once a week. Nothing. Can never get through. Nothing. We don't know. Nothing. No, no, no. Well, about four weeks later, at my parents' house. I'm in St. Louis. At my parents' house in Michigan, the UPS man drops something off at the door. And Cody goes and looks. And lo and behold, it's my duffel bag. <laughs> what the fuck? Luckily, with everything in it, I still have never been notified. The tracker still says my bag is missing. <laughs> There's so many, and this has been a huge story this past summer, especially for international travel. Mm-hmm. Lost luggage everywhere. I'm sure they are just not even paying attention to the tracking system anymore. They're just finding bags, looking at tags, and sending them out. Right. But it just baffles my mind. Now, to put it into context on how lucky I am, I am. My friend Katie from Swing, 
At the same time I was in Canada, she took a trip to Europe. She went to Scotland, France, England. She was there for about three weeks. Mm -hmm. She also had her luggage lost on the way home. Mm -hmm. She spent 48 hours in the airport. I think she, I don't, there was so much going on. She, I think she ended up on seven different flights before she even got home. Yikes. Just, just a nightmare. And when she got her bag back, she got it back after about two weeks, but somebody had stolen her hair dryer and literally every single souvenir she had bought for her family were oh, just missing. That sucks. The same time she's stuck in Heathrow in London is where she flew out. There was an article that they literally shut the airport down of flights because the baggage claiming was so fucked up. Thousands of bags were just laying willy-nilly all over the airport because it just broke. Their oh baggage God. system just broke. Yikes. That's terrible. I'm so lucky that A, they found my bag. I know it was a month, but B, I'm sure there's people that probably still have bags missing from when I first claimed with way more important stuff in it than just clothes and toiletries. Right. Because at the end of the day, I can get new clothes. I can mm -hmm. get different toiletries, but I'm, I just, I think I get more frustrated for, for other people because yeah. I'm sure they have it way worse than what I did. So if you're traveling internationally right now, I don't recommend it. I honestly <laughs> just wait. And that's what most experts are saying. Just wait until this all cools off because everything about international travel right now is a nightmare. Yikes. And my mom and sister are flying to New Mexico in a couple weeks to see our aunt. And my mom's very nervous that her luggage is going to get lost. And I just keep telling her, you're flying domestic, mom. You're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. If you're flying, take out the new. If you're flying just to Mexico, <laughs> then I would be worried. And I would not recommend that. But yeah. she should be fine. Luckily, we're traveling internationally, but we're flying to Miami and then getting yeah, a boat. So. Via the boat. <laughs> we will talk about that because I'm very interested in, in yeah. how that got an email goes. yesterday that uh, it's eight weeks away. So I'm excited That's about exciting. that. That's going to chug right up. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I could get more into the Canada trip and then I thought, yeah, it's a, what's a fun story. <laughs> Frustrations <laughs> with luggage that make it spicy. <laughs> But overall, the Canada trip was great. It was a very good trip. I had poutine, which was amazing, and Labatt Blue, an all-dressed trip. So <laughs> I, I think we can chalk that up to a win. Did I Sounds say like all-dressed trip. trips? I meant yes, all-dressed chips, which is the official <laughs> Ruffles flavor of Canada. If you've never had them, please eat them. They're amazing. I have had them. Oh, they're so good, aren't they? they they're are good. so good. And there was a Tim Hortons right behind the Airbnb. I went there every <laughs> single morning. And it's true what Hillary always tells me. Tim Hortons in Canada, they elevate the game, baby. It's so much better than in the States. I digress. Good trip to Canada. Uh, I think I basically took us to the end of the episode, unfortunately. But yeah, do we you want to just like got speed to talk run? About one thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll, speed we'll speed run the run. rest of our lists. Yeah, I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, well, the other things that I had written down were we went to the Renaissance Festival for the first time, which Ooh, was super fun. I think I'm going on Sunday. It's super fun. We'd well, never been before, but I made our costumes, which was good. I regretted it because it took way longer than I expected it to, and I just didn't start early enough. So I was like literally finishing my outfit the night before, and that was all I did for like three weeks. But it was good. But but so worth it. It was. It was fun. And we went on a family vacation to Hocking Hill. 
Wales in August, which was good. Just my mom and sister, Dave. So that was really fun. We were there for like three, four days and just went zip lining, which I'd never done before. It was Ooh, super fun. I have reservations about zip lining because of, and I won't say her name, but a girl that was in the Adrian marching band with us had a zip lining accident. Really? Yes. Hmm. And I just, I get nervous because every time I see zip lining, that's all I can think about. Hmm. It was fun. It was like a three hour thing. So it was like a zip, like a canopy tour. So we were going all through the woods and Did there you were say 11 Shaka zip Bra lines. On the way down? Did not. There were 11 zip lines and five like adventure bridges. Ooh. And so that was cool. And I also had just a D&D update. We're still playing. Good. <laughs> Nobody's died yet? Nobody's died yet. We're all still alive. Good start. But I also had as like a backup topic in case we needed to fill time, which I don't know why I thought we'd need to. But I've also on the D&D front, I gave in and I started watching Critical Role and I'm obsessed. It is so good. Should so that's we, uh, what I've been doing with all of my time now. Should we link to them in the podcast description? <laughs> I'm sure we. I could talk about it more. We could talk about it in the future if we need a, a topic. That's the thing. We both wrote down all these topics and then we start talking and we could we could have spent a whole episode on on CPR. That's, True. that's just us. <laughs> we just we can't stop ourselves. No, that's why we're here. All right, what's the rest of your list? So the rest of my list was well, I'll just say the one thing. I took a couple trips to Michigan. I went up to Michigan beginning of August and my uncle Brent and his his now wife Tammy had a beautiful ceremony in their backyard. Mm -hmm. uh, got to play softball a couple times and, you know, just hung out, enjoyed that beautiful Michigan weather, got to see everybody that I haven't seen in a while. That was first week of August. I also just came back from Michigan last week because I was going to go to a concert and unfortunately got canceled, but still <laughs> got to see friends and family. On the way up there, I got to see mutual friend and friend of the podcast, Jen Reimer. She just moved houses. So we went up on our way there and, and helped her move. Beautiful little house, Lake Access. Jen's still Jen. She's doing great. Jen, if you're listening, hello. Thank you for the <laughs> hospitality. That's really, that was all my list. I had backup things. I'm gonna just throw that list. That's things that will come up on later episodes, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's, I, we say this every episode. This was not how I thought it was going to go. <laughs> the whole point of the show. We were going to talk about everything we were up to, and instead we talked about CPR and lost luggage. But you know what? Valuable tips that we learned today, take it with you moving forward. <laughs> well, if you liked what you heard, <laughs> make sure that you listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family. We're back, baby. And don't you forget it. But before we go, Natalie, Natalie, what did we learn today? Mm, first one of the season. We learned that international travel is not the best idea right now, especially via airplane. Hopefully it's better via boat. And we learned that just because someone works at the airport doesn't mean you should necessarily trust what they say about your luggage. Taking that one to heart. And the listeners don't know this, but we learned that apparently you don't get unlimited time on Zoom calls anymore unless you have premium, even if you're only talking to one person. That's true. Take that to the bank. Fuck off, You'll never Zoom. know. You'll never know what we're talking about, but now you know. <laughs> we also learned that if you're going to make a costume for the Renaissance Fair, make sure you give yourself a couple months to do it. We also learned that when giving CPR, you want to be at about 120 beats per minute, which, fun fact, is about the normal marching tempo in a marching cadence. And we learned that we don't know what season it is, but we know that we're back. And this was episode number 62 of the Hit and Run podcast, and we will catch you next time.